Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 24, O Smartphone, Where Art Thou? I'm broadcasting live, well, live for me, from the Power of Change Worldwide Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. My good friend and co-host, Jesse Fury, he's on a little vacation, rest and relaxation, hopefully getting ready for the start of the new school year and ministry year. But today we have a very special guest with us here on the Underground, as I'm joined with my friend, Pastor Bob Thune. Bob, you there? I'm here. Hey, man, how you doing? Great to, great to be here. Bob Thune is the lead pastor of Coram Deo Church, got one of those awesome Latin name churches in Omaha, Nebraska. You know it. Yeah, man. Uh, I heard you and Tony on the Acts 29 uh, uh, podcast. Yeah, he was giving me a hard time for having a Latin church, and I was like, hey, man, that's Pot Kettle right here. You I know, know you, guys, like... you guys are going to have a Latin <laughs> name dance-off. I, I, I love both your names, Imago Dei, Corum Deo. Bob is the regional director of the Heartland region in Acts 29, which is part of the South Central, U.S. South Central network, of which he's on that leadership team. And I have the privilege of serving with Bob on that leadership team as we serve the middle of the country uh, for church planting. That's right. Yeah, man. Well, hey, Bob is an author as well. His books have benefited our church when we were planting in New Jersey, certainly many people around the world, but a co-author with Will Walker, also a great brother, of The Gospel-Centered Life and The Gospel-Centered Community. Wonderful books for your own devotional life or small groups or leadership teams in your church. Bob, thanks for your contribution, man, to the kingdom. Thank you. Well, hey, Bob and I were last uh, kind of having a conversation together, I guess, in Berlin, Germany, which was uh, a wonderful trip where the Axe leadership teams from around the world got together. So we were sitting over Wiener Schnitzel, pork knuckles. What did you have to eat? I think you ate healthy, didn't you? I uh, yeah, I th- I don't remember, Cucumbers but it wasn't, or something. It wasn't the pork knuckle. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you, your lady had a pork knuckle, and you guys that was a large that was a large <laughs> piece of meat. For for you those unfamiliar with German delicacies, pork knuckles, look it up, man. And uh, also during that, I got schooled a little bit by my friends Dusty and Rick and Bob uh, on the Enneagram, which has kind of been in the uh, kind of in the headlines or the tweets in the the, the world uh, recently. Uh, yeah, man, uh, we're all on the Enneagram bandwagon. <laughs> Well, I learned that I'm some sort of number there, but Bob, I've I've looked up to Bob from from afar and from up close, and we have very similar paths in ministry, similar ages, but we were both Campus Crusade, now the the artist known as Crew, Crew Global, uh, staff members for years, also were in college ministry at local churches before we went into church planting, and Bob, I don't know if you remember this, but my first exposure to you in person, even though we we're really on staff in the same ministry, was on the old Acts 29 forum. Forums, way back. I do before, recall that yeah, before yeah, yeah. the city, and I think Bob put a picture up or something, and he had like a sweater with a you know with like a I don't know turtleneck or something, and the guys just kind of went in, and I was new, and I, I think I made a brave heart painting on Bob's face in his sweater, and Bob was probably thinking, who is this idiot? He's not even part of this thing yet, and he's already give me give me a yeah, heart. I got time. a lot. Yeah, it was like I posted a. I don't remember what the thread was. It was something like, hey, post a photo so we can like figure out who guys are, you know, and so I post. I posted this photo. I think I was wearing a turtleneck, and guys just started giving me all kinds of grief about it. And hey, so we can I, wear it, beca- we, it. Became a lot of banter. <laughs> we can wear we can wear turtlenecks today in blazers and all kinds of things. So we're back in the day. It was a little bit. Uh, That's right. A little bit different. Well, Bob, here let's get right to it. Um, we're talking about smartphones today, and a few quotes to start us off. This is from an article that I ran across by Terry Cole on a, a website called Tom's Guide. Tom's Guide used to, I think, be called uh, Tom's Hardware Guide. It's kind of a really nerdy website. 
So I, don't, I know a lot of you listeners maybe aren't familiar with Tom's Guide, but they had a really good article uh, that says, why is your kid old enough for a smartphone? And it quoted some research to start out, which said that Pew Research, Internet uh, Research, found that 95% of teens have access to a smartphone, either theirs or their parents at home. So quick access, about 45% of U.S. children ages 10 to 12, I guess they're called tweens, have a smartphone with a service plan, according to Nielsen's ratings. Um, but knowing a lot of kids and teens, uh, have smartphones, does it make it easy to decide if your kids should have one? And he quotes, uh, this article, or she quotes, uh, a man named Blake Snow, who wrote a book called log off how to stay connected after disconnecting. See, he said this, having researched the subject for nearly a decade, the latest advice seems to suggest waiting until eighth grade at the earliest for smartphones. Well, my friend Bob is on here today because on June 6th, he tweeted this, Parents, colon, one of the most spiritually formative things you can do for your kids is to not give them a smartphone. Let's be countercultural here. And I'll put the link to that tweet in our show notes. But I asked Bob a clarifying question on Twitter, which, is, which was a friendly banter, unlike some Twitter interactions, saying, absolutely no, none, none not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and your answer was yes. So I, I've been looking forward to kind of talking about this together. And Jeff Nine from Frontline was on that Twitter thread saying, oh, I'd like to buy popcorn. So here, here it is, Jeff, if you're listening. Um, Bob I need and I, some popcorn, Jeff. Let's go. Talk. Ship it to my office. Yeah, there you go. Um, some of that caramel kind to mess up That's mess right. up our blood sugars. Well, Bob, no smartphones for kids. No for the poor childrens of of the America. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, go on in, man. Explain to us what you're thinking here. Yeah, I'll give you my my short apologetic for the the point, the case I'm trying to make. Um, that tweet was pretty intentional. What I'm saying is one of the most spiritually formative things you can do for your kids is to not give them a smartphone. So I'm thinking specifically in terms of spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. And I would just, mm-hmm. uh, I would say it this way. Um, Christian formation is is counter formation. So a lot of what God calls us to do is to form and shape our children in ways that are countercultural, in ways that mm. sort of push against what the sort of dominant cultural idolatries are. Right. Um, I've been concerned. I don't know if concerned is the right word. Maybe provoked by how you know the first iPhone was introduced in 2007. So we're 11 years into this experiment, and it's amazing how quickly that has come to dominate our world, our lives, right. the way that we interact in society. Uh, my wife and I joke, you know, in 2007, uh, our youngest was born in 2006. So in 2007, our youngest was one year old. So so my kids had their early childhood, you know, we, we had cell phones, but we didn't have smartphones. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm amazed now, my wife and I joke about how often we go out to a restaurant and people are just handing kids a device. Like that wasn't an option when, when our kids were in yeah, high yeah, like, You, you could just hand them like an phone. iPad. <laughs> and, and so I'm very like... My tendency as a leader and as a father and as a pastor is to say um, any any new technology or new thing that is going to have a formative effect on society, I want to be really slow and deliberate in adopting that because we don't yet know the formative effects that's going to have. And it's interesting, the quote you read from Blake Snow, you know, having researched the subject for nearly a decade, I think he says, it's really interesting that there's a ton of research that's come out in the last four or five years that basically is brand new research that's just talking about 
um, the cognitive formative effects of technology, the social formative effects of technology. One of the biggest researchers on this that I pay attention to is Jean Twenge, who is a sociologist at the University of California, San Diego. And she writes a lot on this and sort of is one of the lead researchers saying, hey, we got to be really thoughtful about this. And so um, I guess to say it simply, I think as Christian parents, the easiest way to be counterformative for our kids is just to say, hey, I'm not going to get, we're not going to have smartphones. Now, I realize that's like, that might end up being a minority position. And it feels to people who like are, are reactive against like fundamentalist categories or like right, right black, right. white. It sort of feels like, oh, we'll just, you know, just write it all off. Yeah, yeah it's another ban. Uh, you know, it's, and how that works with prohibition in the 19th. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there's a sense in which you could see it that way. But I also think, um, I, I'm trying to think about this through the lens of, I think this is just wise parenting. I think wise parenting says, um, rather than trying to like always live in the nuance and in the gray and in the sort of like, well, can't we embrace this, but with boundaries? Well, the answer is yes, you can. And there's, there's Christian freedom here. Right. But I'm suggesting that then there's a lot of Christian parents that the, the easiest and actually most, um, um, I don't know what you'd call it. The, the the easiest formation decision is just to say let's let's be different than right. the world around us, right. and then you can, of course, you know. I guess what I'm saying is, it's easier to have a policy of no. Right. And to open that up graciously as your kids get older, then to have a policy of, yes, I'm going to give my 11-year-old a smartphone and then try to back that off when he turns 14 and you're That's like, right. oh, crud. You know, so, yeah, good way to so think I'd about rather, it. Yeah, good way yeah, to think about it. I'd rather it. start at a red light and go to green than start <laughs> yeah. at a green light and trying to you <laughs> yeah. know hit the brakes. For sure, for sure. It's easier to say no than a few years later say, oh, no, right? Exactly. Um, because, yeah, it's like once you've let the floods coming through, it's really hard to put a, a, a barrier back in place. And so, Well, and I don't want to dominate the airwaves, Reed, but let me tell a quick story. Yeah. Um, I went and sat down with the administrators at my children's school. Classical um, Christian school there in Omaha, fairly new, a couple years in, right? Yeah, no, that's so. My younger one goes to that one, but my okay. older ones go to a. They go to a Lutheran high school. Got there. it. And so I went and sat down with the administrators at that school when my oldest son was a freshman in high school. So this was five years ago. This school went hardcore in with the iPad. You know, they were like one to one. Every kid needs an iPad. We're going mm-hmm. totally textbookless in the classroom. It was like you know we're we're jumping onto this tech bandwagon. This is going to be the best thing for learning, so to speak. Yeah. without any proof of that, but yeah, <laughs> totally. And so and so I just like hey, you know what I. Well, we'll see how that goes. So my, my older son went from freshman year through senior year, graduated from that school. Now my my other two are at that school. And I went and sat down with the administrators and just said, hey, um, can we, could, could I talk to you about the technology policy? Could we revisit this? And mm. it was fascinating because what they told me, the, the principal looked me in the eye and said, if we knew five years ago what we know now, we would have never gone that direction. Wow. But now that we've opened that floodgate, it's really hard to go backward because... So many teachers are used to it. So many families are used to it. You know, he, he basically said right. it creates a host of problems for us that we did not foresee. Right. And so that, you know, it was an, to me, it was a testimony of, okay, doing the thing that seems easiest and most adaptive is not necessarily going to feel like the wisest decision in the long run. And I think a lot of schools 
uh, are reevaluating those kinds of technology decisions. And I, my, my concern is I think a lot of Christian families will might be reevaluating some of those decisions a few years down the road. And so yeah. um, I, I want to urge the parents in my church to just say, hey, man, just put the stop sign up and say, nope, let's, right. let's, let's stay with dumb phones for now. Right. You, know? you know, there is this tendency for people to think technology, you know, we have our technological utopias from Silicon Valley kind of evangelizing the world saying just because it's technology, it's going to make us smarter, better, more efficient. This has not been proven true and many times has been shown like some of the research you quoted earlier by twinge to not be the case um and so early adoption of things for children i just agree with you i think it's very problematic and we've seen it you know the soccer fields and and in wrestling gyms where i'm coaching and in the past kids playing minecraft and not even talking to each other on devices parents using it as child care uh getting in between their relationship and their children and of course kids that don't have smartphones are going to be a, a massive minority. Um, and it is very counter-cultural. Um, in terms of uh, yes and no, we, we've wrestled with this, this as well. In fact, I think maybe Jeff on the Twitter thing thought that I had a strong disagreement with you. I really don't. I think there, is, uh, there are a lot of difficulties with, you know, with attention with kids, with brain, uh, not only uh, rewiring the brain, but the the chemical effects of instant kind of dings on the phone that has on the brain, the research is showing. Um, and certainly what most Christian people maybe jump to right away is opening this portal to everything uh, in the world flowing right into their kids' mind and their eyes, uh, many times while they're alone, because these devices are very easy to just to tuck away somewhere by yourself. Yeah, uh, that's a huge deal that I didn't even talk about. But yeah, I think that's very concerning. Right. And my concern is that it's going to make us dumber, not smarter, because we're, we're losing some of the analog uh, reasoning abilities where the human mind does really well uh, reading books and thinking. And I've certainly noticed the effects uh, on my own life of reading uh, micro blogging things like t- Twitter rather than long form things like like books. Well, in terms of a counter-argument for kids, um, my big question is going to be when, because I've experienced um, running a, a you know a campus ministry years and years ago where we're folding newsletters, sta- stapling, stamping, sticking them, sending them out. Everything was analog, and now I'm running my kind of my own ministry uh, in a technological area. And I tell you what, I love I love being able to do, uh, for instance, on my phone. I run power of change almost completely from a mobile device, right? I can I can do all my bookkeeping through QuickBooks Online. I can pay people. I can use Apple Pay in Germany. I can communicate with my kids and family. I can see my kids' face when I'm in Iceland and talk to them, right? I can geolocate my children when they're traveling, right? It's like, oh, where are they? I know where they are. Um, and certainly um, some of the benefits to my own life, I, studying the Greek New Testament um, on a tablet or a phone have been wonderful, so I guess the question for me now, there's one thing uh, that you mentioned, Twinge. There's an article in Politico that, I, that I'll link in our show notes. Uh, they're, they're trying to look at why teenagers are having less sex. And Twinge argues perhaps it's because of the screen engagement. Now, some of that very bad, things like pornography. Um, but screen engagement is, is lessening personal interaction. So teens are having less sex. Uh, sexuality at early ages that's good but not good wherever that goes but so the question then becomes when because um i know you have a smartphone i know your wife probably does as well I do. I'm and my that. and my son who's in college does too. son who's you know, in he, college right yeah once he graduated we we said hey man you you can have that now you know so are we going to use say maybe like biblical ages of adulthood uh which is much younger perhaps or cultural ages of adulthood 18 or uh societal transitions what do you think in terms of when 
uh, someone related to you who's younger than you uh, gets access. Like like Luther once got access. They gave him access to the New Testament. Um, when are you going to give access to your kids to the smartphone? Well, you know, uh, 16 to 18, sometime in that window is is my window. Okay. And and I would say, like, here's the funny thing. Whatever my whatever my kids need access to as far as information, we have a computer sitting on a desk at our house and they have, you know, iPad device. So they don't need a smartphone to like do their homework, right? right, They they actually have access to the information. What they don't have is a device that fits in their pocket that they can text their friends on all day or look stuff up whenever they want. So so, so the restriction is not, um, not a restriction from technology, but from a particular kind of technology that I find troubling. That's personally constantly on accessible where, you know, uh, let me quote um, Kentaro Toyama. This is a Kellogg associate professor of community information, University of Michigan School of Information. He speaks specifically about smartphones. I think it gets to what you're getting after. Smartphones offer easy access to cyberbullying, uh, to pornography, to pointless distractions, big problem in learning, uh, to many unhealthy social media habits. Research also shows, and this is this is shocking, but um, research also shows no educational benefit to children owning their own smartphones. So so the reasons many times uh, people, I think, have for maybe getting a kid a f- fear of falling behind, fear of not having educational tools, can easily be a- accessible from a home computer in a centralized location where everybody can be sitting together while they Google their uh, science paper topic. Exactly. And I think, Reed, I think there's a, if I, the, the concern I want to press for, people in our church as a pastor is just to say uh, the the parent's job is to lead like That's leadership right. is parenthood right That's parenthood right. is leadership so what i'm suggesting is if if the way i'm thinking as a parent is oh all my kids friends have smartphone they're going to be the nerd they're going to be left out they're going to be behind i guess i need to get my kid a smartphone right. that's following that's not leading right. i want to encourage parents to say hey you have freedom of conscience as a parent to you know to figure out how and when you introduce your kids to technology and all of that but lead like yeah. make a make a policy and be a leader rather than just sort of following the herd you know yeah and, and it's a little bit more emotionally charged language than maybe following but many times uh, we can find ourselves capitulating to the cultural torrent rather than uh, leading amidst the storms with a different like you said countercultural view as parents exactly well um let me just make my own confession and then then share a little bit of our story um my two oldest, I have one in high school, she'll be 17 um, next month. Uh, I have another one who's in ninth grade, first day of school today uh, in high school, proud of her, Kyleen. She'll turn 15 in December. Both of them have smartphones. Uh, my son, who's 12, 2006 kid, just like yours, our youngest, um, has no smartphone and does not want one, mainly because he's seen his oldest sister kind of ignore him at times, which is something we've had to address because of smartphone use uh, for for our kids. And so... The, the rubric we tried to use and are trying to use is that our kids had a smartphone when we, right, the parents, and it just gets this leading theme, when we thought they needed it. So uh, just to be very clear, my argument is that kids do not need phones for social media. Uh, they do not need, as you mentioned, Bob, they do not need one because their friends have them. Um, and uh, kids do not need a phone to learn how to be responsible, right? Uh, there are many other ways to learn to be responsible. Um, uh, kids, kids, um, 
our kids got smartphones when we felt like Casey and I, their parents, we thought they needed them for, for one reason. Our kids uh, were going to be separated from us from a significant distance geographically for a significant amount of time. And quite f- frankly, I wanted to know where they, they are. Um, and I, I quite frankly love, love technology. And so I've been an early adapter in trying to teach my children how to use and engage these things as I'm trying to learn to use the new things that come out over time. And so our kids, I think, uh, were 12 when they got their phones. Um, now that I look at it, maybe too early, but I had a kid that was going to be in Connecticut for like a week, another kid in Rhode Island for like a week without us there at all. Now, of course, chaperones had phones and everything, but I, for some reason, I liked looking at a, a blinking dot on the map, knowing where they were and looking at their face every night and talking to them uh, because I love them. But our kids are not what I would call fully phoned at all. Um, there's all sorts of phones that can give people flip phones. You can text, you can call all these other options other than smartphones, but our kids' phones are, are kind of configured this way. And now, now some parents have asked me, I've done seminars for parents on parents and technology. And some of the things I explained, they were like, I would never know how to do that. And in those cases, I would say, you then don't get your kid a phone at all, because if you can't be responsible as a parent for some of these things, it, it is all the things that you said. So our, our kids, when I say not fully phoned, um, our two daughters have no ability to install applications on their phone. They can't put any apps on there without it going to me for parental approval. So, so no, no app installs. Uh, they have no Safari, no web browsers, no YouTube apps at all. So they don't have just unbridled internet. Um, every app on the phone is either installed by me or approved by us, Casey and I, in conversation. Uh, there are content restrictions that we have through uh, the, uh, through iOS, so they can't play or watch anything uh, above a PG rating. Um, internet in our house um, is off. We we shut it off at a certain time in the in the night. They can't get on any devices because I have it in a profile where they can't do anything on the internet past a certain time. We've uh, created a family charging station uh, where every night our phones and devices go on that uh, to go to sleep so we can uh, be in peace and not... Uh, I, don't, I just don't want my daughter to be dinging her phone at 2 a.m. because some kid's in crisis. My oldest is a wonderful, nurturing, caring person. She's just such a great leader, and her friends call her mom. Um, and I can imagine her getting an emergency text at 2 a.m. It wouldn't be good for her. So the charging station every night. And our kids have no privacy probably like yours. They have no privacy on these devices. Uh, yep. We, 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 we can read. I made them sign a contract. Oh, said, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Dad will always know my passcode, and he can read whatever he wants. That's right. Uh, put your fingerprints in your kids' phones if they have fingerprint readers. We can read anything at any time without objection from them. If if that's a problem, then the phones, them having a phone is a problem. Um we, we've had conversations over technology, too, to expand it beyond the phone a little bit. Just the other day, I was looking at a kind of over-the-top, internet-only, cord-cutting TV solution called Hulu Live. Um, I currently use something called Sling TV, so I can watch sports and things. Um, Hulu Live had no parental controls other than the age of the user. Okay, so you couldn't set it on based on the ratings of the the movies or TV shows, TV 14, PG 13, any of that. And my oldest was there and I was like, ah, man, we can't use this at all. There's no parental controls. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, it's not like we're going to look at junk. And I replied, I said, you know what? I don't want that junk looking at you. And so um, conversations with our kids around technology have have become very important to understand the use of various things uh, and technologies that they might have on their phone. 
And then finally, we've had a high trust for all our kids. Um, I, I tell all our kids, I fully trust you because you've been trustworthy since I've known you. Uh, until you give me a reason not to trust you, I'm going to say yes a lot to you. Okay, So when I say yes to you, honor me, honor the Lord uh, in your use of these things, and there, there won't be a problem. But you know, until tr- if trust is broken, then obviously we go to a different, uh, different hand of parenting strategy. So yes, I will take away my kids' phones, um, but they are not fully phoned. They are very, very much locked down and and I'll put a link in the show notes to some of the kind of things when we built a charging station and some of our phone policies that we use because some of these things are technological but a lot of them are just sociological right um, we have a phrase Bob in our house look at my face don't be looking at a screen when you should be looking at a face and that that we don't want these things getting in between us so what do you think of my fully uh, not fully phoned maybe too young for your taste uh, smartphone practice Hey, I'm I'm over here judging you in my head, and uh, no, I'm kidding. This I think that's man. Yeah. I think this is. Yeah. I, I I respect that you are leading well, and I actually think there's a little there's a little side gig for you here if you just wanted to say, hey, ship me your phone, and for fifty bucks, yeah. I'll load it up with the Reed Monahan like control system. I think I think you'd have a lot of business, man. Yeah, man. I tell you, there, there is a little bit of a a reality where most children know more about technology than their parents. Um, and, and how to address that in the church is, is a, a bit of a challenge unless, you know, I was a computer science physics major. So I, I mean, it's kind of a hobby and an area of, of somewhat expertise for me, but there is a reality where kids usually get very versed with these things earlier than parents, but if they don't have them, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're not going to be in that same, uh, state. Our kids also don't, we've always had a, um, a permission-based media culture is what we... Our kids just don't pick up stuff and use it and watch movies on their iPad or something in the house without asking. That's just not a way we've done things. And so one of the things I had a question for you about um, is that our kids grew up in a classical Christian school, much like the one your younger uh, ones are in, and now we're in the public school system where they give the kids Chromebooks, which is basically like a web browser, cheap laptop, but it's just a web browser. It's pretty locked down. Um, but they give it to them in fifth grade. Um, and everything, literally everything, you know, their assignments, their submissions, there is, is through Google Docs, Google Classrooms. Um, and I'm a little concerned about my youngest. My oldest two, eight years in the classical schools, they preferred books to technology. They, they, but my youngest, and he's a boy, um, he's Chromebook from the fifth grade. And so, man, I, I know you had an experience with the, with the iPads. Well, any thoughts for Casey and I uh, on the Chromebook front for kids? Man, that's tough. And I, I think that's what I want to, as parents, I want to be in dialogue with the school and I just want to, I just want to put myself in the conversation, you know? And so I think yeah. that's the invitation there too, is to say, Hey, you know, be in the conversation and be as involved as you can as a parent in setting boundaries around that technology. I, I think where I'm to, to, to broaden out a little bit as a, as a Christian, the, where I'm concerned is I think that for for good reasons, for me, it's like reaction against fundamentalism. Right. We, I don't want to put anybody anything in the category of moral that's not, right? So mm. we tend to want to say technology is a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. You know, it can, it can be used for right or wrong, depending on who's using it and how, you know, so it's, it's really about character. It's the character that we're shaping in our kids. Right. And there's a certain degree to which that's true. But there's also part of me that wants to say, um, but with any new disruptive social thing, right? Right. Um, there are going to be implications and ramifications 
that we actually that go that, that shape us more than we're just shaping them. That's so right. a lot of the James K. Smith stuff of just like, hey, the, what we do shapes us, and what we use shapes us. And so the conversation I'm trying to have with our kids' school and with with other parents is just to say, hey let's just not treat technology like, oh, as long as my kid has good character, it's always good. That's let's right. treat it as, hey, That's it's right. forming them, That's right. and we have to treat it as a formative thing, not just as a totally neutral thing. The the interesting thing, um, and now this might get a little quasi-sci-fi weird for a few minutes, um, we live downstream right from other technological innovations, You certainly steam engines and uh, you know gas, com- internal combustion engines, industrial revolution type stuff, but also from mass communications that came before us. So we grew up, we, you and I are similar age, so we saw MTV come into play yep. or television screens. The difference from that point on is that these mediums aren't just like, hey, you used to use smoke screens and now we use telephones. Um, these mediums are actually shaping uh, what, what, not what is real. Um, I'm not being anti-realist here. Not what is real, but what we experience daily as our world. And so smartphones can take you literally into other worlds constantly away from uh, being present in the world that God has placed us. And so one of the things about saying that it's just morally neutral, like it's a knife, you know, a knife can kill people or it can cut your steak or your, your veggie burger, whatever. Um, this stuff gets intertwined with us immensely. And now here's where it gets weird, right? Um, I listen to technology podcasts where there's people say, I can't wait to jack in. And what do they mean by that is to plug their brain into right the 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 network or the the hive mind and so pretty soon we may have a pair of cool looking hipster glasses that puts you in an augmented reality where you're looking at the world and then I'm looking at Bob Thune and I see his phone number there and I how do I know Bob and it shows all my interactions with you um so these things are are merging towards our world and then there certainly are thinkers that want to merge human life with our own creations and that's where it gets really weird and I think anti-christian and where we have to really think hard about the things that we will adopt uh, technologically. Because I'm waiting for the day where I can't get something because I think it's cool, but I think it's really ungodly or just violates what it means to be an image of God. And that stuff's coming. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. And if you haven't read anything on, uh, if your listeners haven't read anything on transhumanism, if you just search oh, yeah. that and read for 10 minutes, you'll start to go, oh, this is a little freaky. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's some things coming down the pike that oh, I might yeah. need to have some convictions about. That's right. And they come from both directions. They're going to come from uh, biotechnology and technobiology, us creating things and uh, and then augmenting or changing living systems in order to merge things in. And it is, it gets very, very weird. And a lot of these things aren't for uh, human flourishing, so to speak, or to serve humans, uh, there are some really, really radical things coming to look to either improve or replace humans. And that that's, of course, where we're going to have a problem. So, well, hey, one thought before you take us out, Reed, and that is I do think as you were talking about your convictions with your kids, I think there's a little bit of a gender difference here. Uh, I the way I think about smartphones with my sons is a little different than how I think about them with my daughters. Okay. What I mean by that is that your your desire of like I want to know where my daughters are that <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me, yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, but but with my with my boys, there's a little bit more of a man. Pornography is such right. a huge deal. I know it affects both genders, but it's yeah. so massive among adolescent boys. Yeah. I just have a really really 
tighter filter there. So with I could see myself being a little bit more permissive as far as technology with my daughters because of a desire for their safety than I am with my boys for a different kind of safety. Amen. It's good to talk to a brother who who uh, talks about males and females because uh, in <laughs> the world out there, man, in them woods, that stuff's getting getting crazy. But yeah, for boys, this is just hard science. So whether you're a Christian or not listening to this, this is not like us trying to be sexist. This is just true for everyone. There's hard data that boys' excessive use of technology does go towards excessive pornography use and video game use, right? Yep. Uh, and then for girls, obviously, the the concerns that you hear a lot are cyberbullying or image, you know, Im- you know, how do I look on Snapchat? And I mean, I even read a crazy article about like plastic surgeons trying to do Snapchat filters on people's faces, man. This is crazy. But girls, you know, social media use and how the interaction with boys and what do boys want from them. And, and we've had those talks like, hey, if anybody asks you to send anything to them, a picture of yourself that isn't a smile, uh, I want to know about it, uh, and then and then you you shut that guy off um, yep. because you know the, the the sexting and the send me nudes and all that stuff. That's a, like a step in a relationship now uh, that probably we didn't cer- we certainly didn't have to face because there wasn't that capability uh, for that. Hey, and at my kids' Christian high school, that's the concern. Yeah, like the yeah. that's what the administrators yeah. say. Hey, man, yeah. that's happening all the time. Yeah. And so, if you think that because your kids are in a Christian environment, oh, those yeah. things aren't coming at them, you're, yeah. you're naive. Oh, for sure. And one of the things my kids notice about the use of technology in school with the Chromebooks is some kids will sit there and play games, like, and they've uh, installing VPNs, virtual uh, private networks, so they can get around the firewall and the filtering of the internet. Kids are doing all that stuff, man, and that's uh, we should expect it. Well. We have a little segment here uh, on the underground called Reviewish, um, Bob. It's um, it's not a review. Uh, we're not that into it, so we just it's do, a review. It's a it's review ish, right? Like I don't want to have to read the book for like a high level gospel coalition kind of book review. I want to just talk about it, uh, but we don't want to be ignorant either. So, uh, but we do reviewish things. And there's a couple things that I wanted to share with our listeners here as we wrap up. One is when thinking through your Wi-Fi at home. There's all kinds of options of various price points. One that I've come to love. It's a little pricey for the routers themselves. It's called Eero. E E R O. Uh, Eero is a mesh networking system where you put these little beacons around your house and you have Wi-Fi in your backyard or in, or in my case the shed quarters that's super fast and, and very well done and the mobile app for managing this wireless network is fantastic um, but they, they came out with a product called Eero Plus where I think I pay $99 a year for this um, and what it allows someone to do is to create family profiles at, you know you put all your kids devices a family profile and you can just pause the internet shut it off at you know 1030 at night or whatever uh, and it also allows you to see who's on the network and then also allows a certain uh, filtering at the at the domain name le- uh, uh, level. So in other words, it it locks some things down. No internet filtering really works. It works a little bit and puts a little barrier in front. Um, but Eero Plus is something that I find that the mobile app itself is so simple to use that I feel like non nerdy geeky people uh, can certainly use it. So that's uh, you know they're not paying us. This is a gospel underground. We're outsiders, look, you know, trying to influence the world. We're not taking ads or anything. But I think this is a product. That if you need a new Wi-Fi router, the Eero system is 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 excellent. They've added this software stuff that's that's really good. And Eero Plus comes with like one password. This password software for iPhones for free. It comes with VPN stuff if you need that. If you're overseas trying to watch a soccer game or something, I, I've had to do. So Eero Plus. The, the other thing is that the parents. Uh, this is a joke in our house, Bob. Uh, Apple updates their operating system r- roughly once a year and have for some time. 
So we're hitting iOS 12. So if you're an iPhone user as a, as a parent or you have a 16 to 18 year old or a 15 year old who uses an iPhone, uh, iOS has parental controls under something called restrictions. So you go to your general settings, to restrictions, you enter your password that your kids never know, and then you can turn off their Safari. You can do all the stuff that I mentioned earlier. Well, uh, iOS 12's parental controls are about to go through the roof. And this is a running joke with me and my kids now. It's like, hey, September, iOS 12 coming. I'm shutting down that. You know, So what they've added, Bob, is this. You actually can monitor app by app usage now for your children. So um, my kids are never having Snapchat. They know that. Don't ask. Uh, my oldest, the only one that has any kind of social thing. And I love it because she's on there with all sorts of people and me on Instagram. Um, but uh, I will now be able to see precisely how much time she's on Instagram. And I can set like from like this powerful position, right? I'll be able to say you get 30 minutes a day uh, on, on Instagram or hey, and that's really a good uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, I'm going to use it for myself too, where I'm going to get alert and she, and of course my daughter being, you know, smart and intelligent and knowing how much she sees my face in a phone. She's like, well, okay. Uh, cause we're asking her how much time do you think you need on Instagram per day? And we're letting her kind of weigh in on that. And of course her little brother is saying five minutes, five minutes, dad. It's like this big, uh, competition we have in our house of what the Instagram limit's going to be. But she says, well, dad, how about your Twitter use? Or how about this? Are you going to set limits? It's on Flipboard where I read news and things all day. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I am. Let's do it. And then you can give input into my life because I don't need to be on Twitter, you know, three hours a day, which I'm not. But, you know, it gets a little little out of hand at times. So iOS 12 guys out there listening, uh, take control, set the limits, um, time them out and feel the the leadership. Right. You're the parent. They're not. Well, Bobby, any final words for us in terms of uh, smartphone? Where art thou? Not in your 12-year-old's pocket? That's right. Uh, I, I think just coming back to that reality of uh, parental leadership is the most important thing here. And that this is one of those, you know, we can't be passive and just go, oh, well, you know, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it's this is, not. you know, even as you're talking about like the Eero thing, Reed, I just like I've had to become educated on what are the technological systems out there? What, what do I need to know about how technology is evolving so that I can lead my kids? And that's, it's not fun for me because that stuff always changes and I feel like I'm always behind. <laughs> right. But man, it's, um, it's good for us as parents to sort of stay ahead and, and be in the know. And I think it'll give us what we all need most. I tell folks, if your teenagers aren't talking to you, it's probably because you didn't talk to them when they were two, six, seven, ten, twelve. 12. It's we need to be in conversation with our kids about everything as they travel through life so that we'll be able to receive the blessing of being able to be uh, co-heirs with Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord, where we shape each other's faith and our character over time. Uh, the voice from our kids and the voice from parents around things like technology, which is the world they live in, uh, will give us uh, opportunities for relationship and trust and conversation that will go deeper for us along the way. Well, I'm going to close with a, a little bit of a longish um quote from the book uh the tech wise family by andy crouch have you seen this book bob you read it by chance oh man excellent book excellent yeah. book yeah we yeah. have so two thumbs up from us we'll put the link to that in the show notes if you haven't seen the tech wise family andy crouch has done a, a good job he's got 10 principles in that book that are fairly easy to uh, practice as a family together on technology but in the introduction of the book he he, he writes he uses the language of keeping technology in its quote proper place in quote so what is the proper place 
place. And I think it's pretty beautiful the way he describes uh, technology in the family and keeping it there and not letting it overrun us. So I'm going to give a little bit of a, a, a lengthier reading as we close. He says this, Technology in its proper place is when it helps us bond with the real people that we have been given to love. It's out of its proper place when we end up bonding with people only at a distance, like celebrities whom we will never meet. Technology is in its proper place when it starts great conversation. It's out of its proper place when it prevents us from talking with and listening to one another. Technology is in its proper place when it helps us take care of the fragile bodies that we inhabit. It's out of place when it promises to help us escape the limits and vulnerabilities of those bodies altogether. Technology is in its proper place when it helps us acquire skill and mastery of domains that are the glory of human culture. Sports, music, the arts, cooking, writing, accounting. How about that? Uh, The list could go on and on. When we let technology replace the development of skill with passive consumption, something has gone wrong. Technology is in its proper place when it helps us cultivate an awe for the created world that we are a part of and responsible for stewarding. He says this, our family spent some joyful and awe-filled hours when our children were in the middle in middle school watching the beautifully produced BBC series, Planet Earth. I might say Planet Earth 2 is even better. It's out of its proper place when it keeps us from engaging the wild and wonderful natural world with all of our senses. And then finally, technology is in its proper place only when it's used with the intention with intentionality and care. If there's one thing I've discovered about technology is that it doesn't stay in its proper place on its own. Much like my children's toys and stuffed creatures and minor treasure, it finds its way underfoot, Legos, all over the house and all over our lives. If we aren't intentional and careful, we might say leading as parents, we'll end up with quite an extraordinary mess. Bob, thanks for joining us today, man. It's always a pleasure. Hey, thank you. Uh, it's been an enjoyable conversation, Reed, and I'm thankful for your leadership. Oh, man. You, uh, you want to share real quickly about a little podcast properties you guys uh, run over there at Quorumdale? Yeah, we do two podcasts. They're primarily for the sake of our own church, but we love people love from it. outside listening in. Uh, one of those is the Daily Liturgy Podcast. That's a daily scripture reading and prayer podcast, about 12 to 15 minutes, like a little devotional. And then we also do a weekly one called The Wednesday Conversation, which is a little bit similar to the Gospel Underground. It's conversations about theology and culture and those kinds of things. Amen. My kids tell me, uh, hey, Dad, you have a podcast. And then my son goes, we don't listen to your podcast because I once said that to them. <laughs> I've actually listened to both of Bob's podcasts, not every week, but at times. And I, I had a long run of the daily liturgy. So I thank God for Quorum Day on what you guys are putting out there for your church and for the kingdom. So thanks for joining us, brother. Stay informed in the faith, uh, man, and uh, keep uh, keep leading your own kids and other parents to do the same. Parents, lean on each other. Uh, circle those wagons as you lead out with the kids. Well, as we wrap, the Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power Change and the Bonhoeffer House. We want you to send your comments, feedback, and or questions or issues you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We take reviews on iTunes. We only accept five stars, though, so hit that up if you can. I think we're up to 15 now. Uh, We are a dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you there. Peace.